0: Okay, so the whole thing about the eating shit sandwiches joke was, like, (laughs) I had probably told it 20 to 30 times before you got there. Like, that night? Yeah, I wouldn't let it go. I was having, like, this neurotic episode where I was just repeating it over and over and over and over. And I thought it was so funny. And I would, like, tell half of the joke and then not finish it. And then (laughs) somebody would be talking and then I'd finish the joke. Like, I... Was having a hoot. I thought that shit was so funny. Well, it was your birthday, so you're yeah, allowed to do. I'm it. legally allowed. And anyway, so then when I told you, and you actually thought it was funny, it was a total meta breaker because everyone there was like, "God damn it!" I loved
1: it. <laughs> I I love nothing more than taking not jokes too far, but like repeating them so often that they stop becoming funny. Yep. Well, dude, there's and this. then they become funny again.
0: So there's a podcast called Pod About List. And it's like these three comics from New York that are just like talking in this format, like we are about nothing, like just making jokes, like, but they're meta. So it's like they're making it seem like they're legitimately having a podcast about information, but they're just like (laughs) saying words. Oh, geez it's so funny but like there's times i'll be listening to it and it will i will be like this is a little much for me yeah. it's kind of like the eric andre of podcasts yeah like you can only handle so much of it before yeah, you're, you're like, like okay this is like too much this
1: hurts <laughs> yeah.
0: um do you want to tell the joke to the audience. Oh no, no. You brought it up and you're not going to tell the joke. Look, it's it's on an if you know you know basis because I will just use it if I wow. render you imperfect. Exclude. Um, oh yeah, there you can hear the joke exclusively on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll put it on the Discord. We do have a
1: Patreon an announcement later. We'll give you the content first though cuz we we want to render service before advertising. But,
0: yeah, that's um, very true.
1: Um So I guess, uh, before we get into it, um, I just want to say thanks for, we received a few really generous donations and I was able to, um, get a newer, uh, microphone interface. So knock on wood, my computer should stop crashing and, uh, we can just finish an episode without interruption. Um, we do have some, I guess, announcements later, but we'll, we'll get into it once we're done with uh, the episode. So we
0: had an episode request, and it's something i had been thinking about discussing. It's really important to uh, like my everyday life, uh, and so I just wanted to go right into it. Uh, the question was asked, uh, "What I think?" Me, it was asking me personally, but uh, we have such different streams crossed in this that I'm excited to have this discourse about. Breathwork and what that means, what that entails, the efficacy, viability of that. Is it legit or not? And I just want to start by saying uh, most of this conversation is not metaphysical to me. This is like if you want an instant result for your well-being and also clinically proven results, uh, this is the first place that I invite people to like experience. Also, uh, it's been proven that there's DMT stored in your lungs. And so if you start to manipulate your breathing, you do start to have, it does take a lot of training and time, but there's a lot of, uh, psychedelic properties that you can start to experience through your breathing. Um, and breath work and meditation to me are words that can be interchanged quite often. And so, uh, I just want to start by defining meditation and that's kind of like trying to catch smoke. But for me, meditation is deliberately arriving into this present moment exclusively and using exercises that utilize that property and give you invitations to return to this moment deliberately. So long definition of meditation is like setting aside time to do nothing. Hmm. I love that. Setting aside time to do nothing. Yeah, it's like literally... Because mm-hmm. one of the things I used to do, because I'm very a hyperfixation person, um, I have a generalized anxiety disorder, quote-unquote, and I have ADHD. Like, these are very obvious pieces of my personality. Uh, I So I will script a whole day, theatrically. I'll be like, from 8 o'clock to 8.45, I will be showered and grooming and getting ready for the I have the to day. do it every day. And then, okay, so yeah. the thing... Inside of that, though, I used to put from, a, from 6 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. doing nothing. And I would, like, put a smiley face and think I was all cute. And then I would that would just become a vacuum where I would just watch, like, the same three episodes of The Simpsons every mm. two days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. But the problem is, is, like, I thought I was doing nothing, but I was very much doing something. So yeah. then one day I was, like, in a very bad mood and I was, like, maybe I should meditate and really do nothing. And I couldn't do it. And yeah. I was like, well, why can't I just do this? If I want to do this for two hours, why can't I do it? And I realized that meditation is a, um, not a reflex. Right. Uh, meditation. I also have had a lot of, t- spent a lot of time thinking about meditation as a return to the state of where we came from and how this body can only handle so much of that at one time. And you have to work up to it. Right. So like you look at that monk that self immolated in the sixties protesting the American occupation of Vietnam, mm-hmm. just like went out to the middle of the street, lit himself on fire, died. And he mm-hmm. meditated through it. Right. That part of the reason that picture is so profound is because that monk is experiencing everything sensation wise, but also nothing. Right. And that's like, so, I can't wrap my head around that entirely yet. Um, I also, I'm, I'm still chewing on some things that I heard today just about like certain drugs in general, because, and, and this all gets tied back together for me, but I, uh, grew up in a house where there was like tiers of acceptable drugs. Like none of them were okay, but the ones that were like acceptable, right? Like and you the,
1: could get away with, with less punishment or blowback.
0: Right. 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 There's like a, like, social oh, a little sp- weed. Okay. But yeah, if you tell pain. someone like <laughs> straight up, if you tell someone like I did some Coke this last weekend. They're I mean socially that's a party drug, right? But if you tell someone, Yeah, I shut up on math last weekend
1: Yeah, then it's like whoa.
0: it's like whoa, 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 are you okay? Or it's like, Yeah, I shut up on heroin, like whoa, 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 are you good, you know? But like I think drugs are drugs, very yeah. much so. Um Hamilton Morris, the guy who does pharmacopia, that National Geographic show. Have you watched that?
1: Hamilton's Pharmacopia. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. Yeah. It's really good. Highly recommended. Yes, um, me too. Every once in a while I think he does stuff in a really dumb
0: way. But I think overall it's a very informative show. Sometimes he can get really bad analysis paralysis because he's he's like flirting with God, but he won't admit that they're there. Yeah. So like he does that 5-MeO-DMT well, and he's like, yeah, so I think all that's happening is I'm getting to the source code and I'm like, yeah, dude, like... And it, my, this is not me ragging on Hamilton Morris. I just think sometimes... Uh, you can approach things with the scientific brain, and I always think about the analogy. And I, it, it, I don't mean to like come out guns a blazing against uh, science because that's not my intention. I literally just got the Moderna vaccine. Like yep. I am, so did I. Am, I. I am very, very pro science. But I, before I'm pro science, I am pro scrutiny, uh, which I think that that's baked into the cake. But uh, there's this old uh, s- story of a scientist putting a frog into a pot of water and saying, "Jump, frog, jump." And then the frog won't jump, and he keeps turning up the heat, saying "jump frog jump jump frog jump jump frog jump,", frog, jump mm-hmm. until he's got it boiling, and the the frog dies. And then he says, "Conclusion: Frog is deaf." Right. And it like that's the thing. It's like for the me correlation
1: sometimes. doesn't equal causation. Well,
0: and like, I uh, yes, and one of the things that I, I I understand that there's so many things that happen within like the scientific method that prevent that kind of thing, but when you get into the convergence of Philosophy, metaphysics, spirituality, uh, drugs, psychedelic drugs, and science, you have to accept that they're all part of pointing in the same direction from yeah. different places. Mm-hmm. And uh, truth. I, yes. And I think that, I think what we're experiencing right now, because even in these last two months, I felt a big nexus. Like there's a convergence into this next phase of wherever we're going before. I used to be really pessimistic about this, but now I think what's going to happen sooner rather than later is science and uh, spirituality are about to hit a uh, head.
1: I think they will. I
0: think it's really close. Well, cause I got, think we're like,
1: I, I think we're really close. Conspiratorially, I think it's proven behind the scenes and
0: they haven't released the information. They're trying to find a way to like but conventionally as, explain it.
1: Yeah, as far as like slowly releasing it to the public or whatever, like well, a panpsychism.
0: Well, and the state wants to co-opt it. Like the state, yeah. the empire wants to market it as like an American thing, mm. you know, like I don't they mean want, to come out guns a blazing on this. I'm saying this, like they it, want look, their, if I ran that business, if I was the CEO of the United States, which is not Joe Biden, I'm talking like, whoever's behind the scenes, yeah. someone pull in pulling some, the strings,
1: you know, someone I would want to Lockheed market this thing in a works. way.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd want to market this thing in a way where it's like. We need to get this into every home. We need every home needs to be experiencing this and we need it commodified and we need it sterile and we need it consistent.
1: Yeah. And they need to control the narrative Mm -hmm. on it. Um, you know, say, tell you the truth, but like the minimum, the minimum amount of truth to keep as much of like the power of the idea into their own hands as they can. Yeah. Um, And then they also want that American brand on it by, like, releasing it Mm -hmm. through a private corporation or something and touting it as, like, entrepreneurial innovation
0: or whatever. I heard heard on another podcast that, like, the reason that we're having so much extraterrestrial encounter is, like, extraterrestrial life loves when sentient species start to do this thing where, like, their comprehension of, like, mathematics, science meets spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so they're here, like as tourists oh, experiencing I us, like, like reaching a collective consciousness. It's like, it's like fascinating to them. It's like they watching like,
1: a butterfly hatch. or Yes. Something, that's, like, yes. That's, so that's like yeah. why there's
0: so much alien. Oh dude. I love that. That idea. Yeah. Like, because I think what's going to happen is we're going to start slowly moving into solidarity of the oneness. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that comes back to this whole idea about meditation for me is I feel like inherently everyone knows deep down that we're all, Connected to one thing yeah i I do think it's innate in it, like whatever game like our
1: souls are playing of forgetting <sighs> it is just the game, but I do think the truth is always there and like available once the soul needs or wants to unlock it, it's there
0: always so one of the one of the things coming back to this idea about breath work and meditation is like why meditation's such a staple in my diet is I go to this place that doesn't like it feels like a bridge between where I came from and where I am and it breaks like the barrier of time and it just invites me to, I I would say be in the present moment, but also to like experience all of my emotions as like things that aren't connected to me. Mm. They're just emotions. Like my, it lets my spirit really be, liberated yeah. so it can just like exist without like the confines yeah. of just, time just and pure, space pure and,
1: experience without analysis
0: yeah like you're
1: just it's just happening to and you. so that it's comes just, back to
0: that idea of nothing and yeah. so i for me breath work is like things that i'm doing to try to achieve that state and uh i like I, I i wrote some notes here and i'm not really a notes guy but uh i wanted to make sure i was like being really deliberate with the, explaining this and so I put down like why I meditate is to have no agenda to achieve nothing, which I've like burned to the popcorn on the topic there. But, uh, I meet a lot of people who will say like, what do I, how do I meditate or how long do I meditate? And the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> like honestly, even if you meditate, yeah. if you meditate for like five seconds, that, but like those five seconds, yeah, not only and that, it's but they're beneficial. Yeah. yeah. It's just like when musicians say like, how long should you practice? And it's like, dude, it's like, what do you want to get out of practicing? Like if you're thinking about it from a time confines, you're never going to get better.
1: Well, and not only that, but I think what trips people up about meditation is they want to like label it and categorize it and uh, abstract it and like have all these methods and different ways. And it's like, I mean, some of it can be useful, but like it's, it's just simple simple concept yes and and we love to convolute it
0: yeah well and the thing is is it can get more complicated as you add layers but you starting with this firm base of like i still the main portion of my meditation diet is focusing on my breathing Mm -hmm. like just sitting here and then closing my eyes and giving myself a minute to like recognize that i'm having thoughts and not judging those thoughts or judging that I'm having the thoughts. That's I think one of the dangers of intermediary meditators is they get to a place where they start to like recognize that they're having thoughts, but then they realize that recognizing that they're having the thoughts is a thought and they start to judge that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. hold on. If you said you're not going to judge anything that includes not judging yourself being judged. (laughs) And I understand that there's a paradox in that, but like I catch myself like internally, like, Chuckling when I'm meditating and I realize that I'm thinking about thinking and I'm like, oh invitation to return to the body Like that's all it is like it's just a dance mm-hmm. and I'm just working like I'm working on being more like here, you know, and so I, I yeah, I do a lot of like the focusing on the breath like the in through the nose out through the mouth or into the nose out through the nose I love that one because it really forces me to slow down Um and I can do it for. I, I used to break it up where I would do it like in 15 minute intervals and try to do like five or six of them a day. Uh, and there was one point in time in Burley where I, or back in Idaho, where I was meditating for like two hours and I would do two one hour chunks. Ugh. It was intense. Like if you meditate for one hour and you're just like, like, time breaks. Like once you start doing it and you're like really seasoned into it, like there's no time in that space and you're just like, I would get like r- chills up and down my body. Like my hair would be on edge and I would just like be like cycling in and out. And I'd be like in this lucid state, but hypnagogic, like just about to like pass out, Yeah, you know, but I felt so healthy and like just, oh man, it it's was very like psychedelic, extreme. I would say it's the, so I have this, opinion. sorry about that. I have this opinion that, uh, the reason that meditation is the most valuable form of conscious e- consciousness uplifting or awakening is like, so say you do a psychedelic, say like we eat like five grams of mushrooms each right now. Okay. Uh, and we start tripping. Okay. The only danger of the psychedelic in that is that we eventually come down from it. And that I've said that before, and that's not my quote. That's a Ram Dass quote is the only danger of psychedelics is that you eventually come down from them. Right. If you stayed on them forever, there's really no negative side effects. I, I mean, hypothetically, but the fact that you come down from them is the danger that's associated with it because that's what can create like the neurological or the, the, uh, neurotic state. Right. Like when you meet somebody that just like has a bad trip and they're just never the same. Mm-hmm. And that's like just all these layers and layers and layers of ego. Yeah.
1: Like that guy from the beach boys. What was his name again? What happened exactly? Gosh, dang it. Why I can't remember his name. He took acid and it triggered his schizophrenia. Oh really? Um. Oh man, I bet some people are
0: like screaming the name right now. It's oh, the, interesting. Brian Wilson? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I I had heard um, the story. I used to get scared at the story when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah.
1: And I already know that hmm. I'm not prone to it because I've had psychedelics and it hasn't tripped to schizophrenia. I honestly, I've been more whatever like the schizo. Um, definition is i've had more of those symptoms before i did psychedelics than after because i would get really paranoid and like afraid and yo um psychedelics actually like tampered that down
0: so that's one but there's
1: always a risk i guess
0: right well and like yeah yeah i mean i've uh after after doing psychedelics i definitely had to like walk through my psyche and explore and i've talked about that at length but Um, even like day to day, I like, I'm right now I'm feeling the most like healthy mentally that I've ever felt, but I know that there's like more awareness and more presence that I can achieve. Yeah. And so I'm really striving towards that. And that's like a really big invitation. Um, yeah. So with meditation though, the idea is so like when you do the psychedelics and you have this like really powerful experience, like that's great in and of its own right you know and there's nothing invalid that but there's not a lot of discipline associated with that right and and terrence mckenna actually says like that if you have had a bad trip before one of the best things that you can do is grow your own mushrooms because Mm. if you have the discipline to grow the mushrooms you will have a positive psychedelic experience once you trip on that Yeah,
1: because you earned the mushroom it, because you took care of it right and that and yes the cultivation effect of it too um, well and it is personal and i do think i personally believe if you grow stuff in your vicinity they're affected by like your whatever your psychic energy is 100 like your plants i mean they've done experiments with you know, blessing plants and stuff. Um, and they've shown pretty good results that, like, the blessed plants actually do grow better. There's, like, the intention experiments with Lynn McTaggart. Well, Mythbusters.
0: Did you see that Mythbusters episode yeah. where they, like, play, like, classical music and heavy metal and stuff yeah. to the plants? And the heavy metal actually ended up Did being the, the most. best. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. I, Metal's great. Metal is great. <laughs> it, live metal is one of my favorite, like, forms of media to consume. Yeah. Like, art in general, oh. I should say, not to bastardize it. Yeah, I love live metal. is so fun. They're as far so as metal, what's
1: like your favorite right now? Like the metal band that you're really into. This is going to come like across later. as
0: super cliche to my friends within the metal community, uh, and so I do apologize because I know that this is a hill that I die on all the time. But Cattle Decapitations most recent album that came out in 2019 might be the best metal album of the 2000s. It was pretty
1: good. You sent it to me, and I listened.
0: Bring Back it was the Plague, really good. Bring back the Plague it, is just nasty. Well, and like, what's weird is oh, that
1: almost that almost was like prophetic, because it came out months before, the,
0: yep, before uh, the pandemic.
1: And it was like, there were a lot of parallels. Yeah, well, that was and weird. Their big thing That their, was really weird. The
0: big thing that they preach is like... The food cycle has been disrupted mother nature is going to make us pay for this the food cycle has been disrupted like yeah. that's their thing because they're vegans you know and so their whole thing is like the pandemic is a direct consequence of our our lack of relationship towards what we eat and mm. i do think that there is there's something there a correlation yeah, yeah well there's think, a, think about this so right now the science says there's a, there's a. I think it was like 20 scientists, I need to get the citation on this, but they got together and they they penned a letter that said that the likelihood of this coronavirus coming from the, that lab in Wuhan is likely, right, the likelihood, it is very probable that that is what happened. And I don't think that it was, this is me now, I don't think it was the Chinese government trying to release no, it to the wild. Like I think on it purpose. Was, yeah. I think it, it was, was just an, blatant just an accident. Negligence. Yeah. Um, um, so,
1: and just a side note, I mean, I, I don't know how much proof this gives you, but um, the Farsight Institute, they do like public remote viewing they non nonprofit. They were, they, one of their tasks for their viewers was to view the origin of the coronavirus and m- pretty much all of them had basically a lab accident vision, I guess. So, I mean, you take that for what you will. There's good evidence for remote viewing, but like I understand that it would, unless you've looked into it and you've read the evidence and you've seen the proof, it, it's a hard thing to accept, but that's just another nugget.
0: Well, and if you're looking at it, so, so <coughs> let's say that's not even the case. Well, if we entertain that, that isn't what happened. What I was getting at was the initial argument was that it was part of the food chain, the wet markets in China, right? Right. And so let's say that that's the case. I think that it at this point the analogy that I'm getting at, it could be either and it's showcasing that like our cyclical nature of what we're doing right now as a species on this planet, isn't sustainable. And so whatever it is that we're doing has to drastically change or we can choose to not change it. And the earth is going to force us to change it. Right? So like I've been thinking about this a lot, like mother nature is me and I am mother nature, right? Like, at least at some level, there's an eighth dimension there that I'm connected to it, and so I'm like, I can perceive everything that's happening, and I can like just sulk and feel bad about what's going on in the world, or I can change myself as deliberately as possible, and therein the world around me is going to change. And mm-hmm. that's I just keep thinking about that's that. The only, I did, that's the only. I way. think
1: I think that's the only solution. People don't understand because when they look at statistics, the individual is basically snuffed out. And the literally, the only change you can affect is in your immediate uh, locale. Well, like that's it. Honestly,
0: have you heard the class? There's like a movie critique that, like, that Disney Pixar movie, A Bug's Life, is like one of the most tangible, simple ways to get into communist, Marxist, Leninist theory. <laughs> and it's like it's. A pretty black and white example of this. Right. And it, so it's like you, the, the ants make the food or pick the food and then the grasshoppers eat the food, but then there's a disruption in the food chain, right? Mm-hmm. That giant leaf that has all the shit on it gets dumped into the river. Yeah. So the grasshoppers go, instead of so the grasshoppers create a uh, resource a famine quote-unquote the resource mm. scarcity yeah and threaten the ants and then the ants uh petition the aid of these seven heroes so it's actually also a uh play on the very famous akira Kurosawa movie seven samurai which is what the magnificent seven is based off of so bugs life is technically a western right <laughs> but it's like oh god that's so weird to think because yeah they get like that troop of bugs and then they get together and then they like spoiler alert they defeat the uh, yeah grasshoppers and it's hilarious because it's like the locusts are causing a resource famine yeah and the ants think that they're obsolete so that they won't do anything and the point that's kind of like a really interesting analogy to what i'm getting at because i think and this comes back to jung too is like you can only affect what you can affect and that is everything yeah that is it like that is everything Mm -hmm. so it's like if you want oh man it's like i needed to hear that for myself (laughs) this is very selfish but like that's so valuable because it's like there's that rummy quote that's like i was young and naive and i wanted to change the world but i became old and wise and decided to change myself Mm -hmm. it's the same it's the same thing
1: and that's like my personal purpose for even doing this podcast is like, I think it's selfish of me to learn all this shit for myself, like for my own, because honestly I'm into it for my own just endless morbid curiosity, but I know that people can benefit from hearing it. So I know like probably the best way that I can do that right now is to make the podcast and make it audible and listenable for someone else who can then mull over the ideas
0: and hopefully improve upon them and improve their own life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm with you, I'm with you, the, I'm reading that book right now, what the Buddha taught, and I was telling you about that just a little bit and uh the Buddha actually said something really interesting. He said that the most self serving thing that you can do is encourage somebody to reach enlightenment. I thought that was really interesting that is
1: interesting, uh, and that's one of those paradoxes, yeah,
0: and it well, and like what is it they say? the Buddha said that there's like four things that are detrimental to progress. Cause there's no such thing as sin according to Buddhism, but there's things that hinder your enlightenment mm. and he pairs lust and worry in the same category. Oh. Isn't that trippy? Can you, can you Let's expand hurry.
1: upon that? a little
0: I, bit? I, 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 I need to sharpen worry? my Buddhism. Uh, it's a uh, doctrine up, but like, I wonder if
1: it's like, because like Oh, well, I don't know. Cause lust is like lust creates
0: expectation
1: and it's also wanting something that you can't have or would be like difficult to obtain or that perhaps you that you can't have right now. Anyway,
0: per, per, perhaps um, I think, I think lust is putting into the foresight things that are a hindrance to what it is you're deliberately seeking for in progress. Hmm. So I, I think lust is a form of straying from the path. That's the way that I perceive lust. It's okay. like your intentions and your thoughts are not lining up. So your perception of reality is I can wa- see that. wavering.
1: I think that's happened to me for well, sure. I think worry sure. is
0: the same thing. Like I will, I I mean, I, not all the time, but I have had delusions in my life where I'm conv- so sure that something has happened and I worry yeah. myself into a fit. Yeah. And I have a lot of work related trauma. I've like received like really bad news at work a lot. And so like I will just be at work and then all of a sudden I will like, my body will start to initiate a panic attack. Like,
1: am I going to hear something or like, I feel bad. So something must be bad. And uh, like a lot of the time, that's not the case. Yeah, Uh, And most of the time I would say some, sometimes you do sort of get a precognition, but I mean, more often than not, it's just plain repeated trauma pattern, worry, blah, blah, blah.
0: And it comes back to this whole idea of no expectations. So it's like, if you're going to say the occultic, mantra of no gods, no masters. You're also saying like no expectations. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And like total
1: responsibility much. for your own state yeah. of being Yeah, um, one thing. So this has helped me a lot as I started telling myself, like, if I get, if I get news that disappoints me, it's like, you know, I'm yet again in another band that like wants to break up or like, you know, I get ghosted or like, you know, I'm not getting something that was promised to me what I it's sort of a mantra I've been telling myself but I'm saying I can't I can't allow my happiness to depend on other people. Yes. And it's hard. Like that's not an easy thing. It's much easier said than done. But um even repeating that a few times just helps me be like okay, you know what? I can't let this disappointment, you know, ruin my whole day cuz now like if I'm in a worried state or depressed or upset, well, I can't do the things I can control like all my chores and getting my environment Um, in a place that feels better to me and, you know, just the, because that one thing upset me. So now like I can't act in other ways that I am able to act. So
0: yeah, I, 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 I've also contemplated this quite a bit. If you accept Neville's Goddard's idea of I am being God, uh, then you Technically speaking, can't say, or I'm saying this is something I've been like really chewing on is you can't say, like, I am happy or no. I am sad because God is neither. God right. just is. Yeah. So if you're accepting, like, <clears throat> even the contemplation that I am creates the paradox of God. Uh, and this is something I learned in cognitive behavioral therapy too is like um, compartmentalizing or blaming your emotions is a really like uh, unfair toxic trait even in a good way it's a trap so yes so like if you like if you're in love with someone in use so even saying that i'm in love with you is a kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> fleeting
1: well and it also puts the condition of your feeling love onto them right so it's now their responsibility so like if your relationship goes bunk and you go into a funk for and however long. It's their
0: fault. Yeah. To you. But like the reality of it is, is like, this is something I've been really thinking about is like when I'm in love with someone realizing that it has nothing to do with them, no. it has everything to do with me. And I know that that sounds well, narcissistic, but like and, your and lover it, doesn't get inside of your head and like do brain surgery and induce dopamine into your receptors. Right. Like right. you do that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. So it's like when you like, they've never done anything to your brain that's altered its chemistry you've done that <laughs> like that's your body. and it's your
1: expectations <laughs> and your projections because like for a long time it's like I I had my happiness like based on my partner's happiness I, and I, I've done that too you know so I basically got rid of my own agency because now everything that and that's where like codependence <laughs> kicks in. Is like I need them to be happy, so then I can be happy. Like you can't, like they can't just be off and be sad, so because then you feel sad
0: or I, mad or upset. I read this book of that was written by this lady for women that have um, bruised relationships with their mothers. It's called the "Codependent No More."
1: Um, I've read. Portions it's it. intense,
0: but one of the things that um, it said was that often codependency is a triggered mechanism that you can't enjoy things unless you're approaching them from a place of punishment.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's that's some shadow
0: stuff. Yeah, that one stung when I first heard that because mm-hmm. I like that's why people get into BDSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I well not
1: entirely, but uh, that's, no, that's a I've, portion of it.
0: I mean, not to like go too far down that rabbit hole, but I've like entertained <laughs> a lot of like my sexual desires in relation to the shadow and its integration, and then like choosing to celebrate those sexually, like it creates a, a state of liberation. It's trippy. That's, oh, that's well, like that's a whole,
1: that's you're individuating when you do that. Yes, you you allow the shadow
0: to be expressed and then put it into a position of power. Well, it's like a really, really corny, like new age Instagram post that I want to make as a satire, but that I stand by is the ultimate form of revenge is forgiveness. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, because who is it that said that like revenge is like trying to poison yourself and hoping the person that it's attributed to dies? Mm-hmm. And so it's like when you hold on to like vengeance or revenge, like yeah. that's all exclusively to you.
1: Well, and it, it wears on your like, cause you have cortis the high cortisol levels mm-hmm. when you think about that and it just wears on you and it wears on you and it wears on you. bad for your cardiovascular. I health. mean, and you're like, you know, depending on how upset you are by a person or situation, like by getting hooked into the feelings of vengeance and hatred for so long, you're like literally taking years off of your life. Yes. So it's, it's not worth it. And I understand it too. Like I'm not trying oh, to judge people who do get, yeah. cause like when you get caught up in something like that, you don't, you're not really aware of a, an alternative, um, because you were never taught it.
0: So that comes back so, to the thing about like judging your, yeah. uh, judging your judgments. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I had this thought one time and I was like, I don't want to judge anyone ever again. I think that's a noble pursuit. Sure. Right. Yeah. But then what would happen is I would start judging someone and I'd be like, I can't believe I'm literally judging someone right now. And then you're judging and then I'm yourself. Judging myself. And it's like, yeah. dude, come on. Like, it's a, like, and so part of that for me is realizing that I'm in the dance, the tantric dance of reality. Yeah, this yeah. is how the, the Vedic traditions would recognize it. And then just laughing at it and just being like, right. Mm-hmm. I got caught again. Yeah. I caught myself in the soup, And, and that, like, I think that's funny.
1: I, I think as long as if you get yourself into the vein of working on it then you are golden. Like as long as you don't stop, that's you know? awakening. Yeah. Like it's okay to get tripped up and, you know, maybe even step away for a sec, but you know, it's always just going back up to bat, you yeah. know? And it's just, re- yeah, it's tough it's tough to do for. So, um, uh,
0: in a lot of like anxiety, like mitigation management, uh, like the physical approach. And this is like a, a good segue for me with like breath work is like you get the, box have you ever heard of box breathing drills things like that um, it sounds familiar. So, uh, a practice when somebody's like triggered into either an episode of anxiety or a panic attack is to do what they call box breathing, which is like you breathe in for four counts, you hold it for oh, four yeah, counts, four breathe count out rest. for four counts. Oh, they also call it, it box. Yeah, because okay. you're going in for four, hold for four, out for four, yeah. hold for four. And I've done and that. So, yeah, it creates like yeah. I, I, I see I, what you're saying. Okay, so I actually incorporate that into my meditation. And so like for me with breath work, and this is something that Damian Eccles has said, it's something also that uh, the Buddha taught um, is that like breath is the life force of reality. And when we choose to manipulate that or be conscious that we're breathing, like I used to freak myself out when I was a kid because I'd be like, "No, I'm thinking about breathing, right? But now I'm like constantly trying to think about my breathing, Mm -hmm. right? That was one time I was in the middle of a meditation. And I was like, this used to scare me when I was a kid. Now I'm like deliberately trying. And I was like, okay, I need to focus on my breathing. Here I go. You know, and it was like well, really I mean, funny thing. You
1: have more context though. Cause when you're a kid, you don't know it's so if it's dangerous or not. And you're yeah. like, "Will I ever like, what if I forget to breathe? Like, and I, re- and I'm conscious of breathing Will right. I stop. Like, cause you don't know. Yeah. You're going to go, your subconscious mind's going to go back to breathing you for you.
0: So one of the things that I've been realizing with like my breath work is sl- uh, when you're being really deliberate with how you're breathing, it changes your mood. It changes like the way you, it, it like crisps up reality. Makes it makes a little bit more HD makes it like easier for me to be here. And, um, one of the breathing exercises that I do with the box breathing, like I'll just start, uh, my day. And a lot of my brass playing friends are going to laugh at this. Cause I learned this from playing brass instruments, but I realized that it's a meditation, I'll start before I start meditating. I'll put my hands in front of me like they're like shadow puppets on either sides of my cheeks. And I'll pinch them together as tight as I can. And then I will start to hiss. I'll go. And that has tension in it, right? And then what I do is I do a physical release with my hands slowly until my hands are open. And while I'm doing that simultaneously, I open up my mouth and my jaw and my throat until I'm losing all of the tension and then I can't feel any tension. I'm just breathing. So then I know what the tension, wh- what breathing feels like with the absence of tension. Cause I carry around a lot of tension in my throat chakra myself. That's part of my karma for sure. But the exercise goes like this. So it's literally.
1: Ooh, I love that. Um, It reminds me of the, there's a body scan technique where you tense all of your muscles. Yes. And um, I think they actually, uh, Donald Michael Craig talked about this method in Modern Magic. Yes. As a way, it's, it's not, it's it's sort of like a crutch shortcut to relaxing and he doesn't he says to work on all the other methods as well but if you're like in a pinch and you need to relax Mm -hmm. it's too tense your entire body all the muscles that you can think of hold it i don't remember how long for probably like at least 10 seconds and then just release and your body's instantly relaxed because you have context for what feels tense and what feels relaxed So it's, it's consciously a lot easier to relax when you do that.
0: Kind of a weird allegory, but or analogy rather. Um, I, I, in the, the, big band setting, like in jazz music, the most important that I I heard this from a very famous jazz musician one time in person, he said the most important parts of a big band are the drummer and the lead trumpet player. And they have to agree everything else is gravy on the biscuit. That's what he said. (laughs) And any of my friends that play jazz music, they know how true this is. Like if you're like a music educator, you're trying to teach jazz music or anything like that in the big band setting. It's literally the lead trumpet player and the drummer. Everything else falls into place if those two are locked in. Right. So I'm in this master class one time with this like killing big band and the drummer just, he was killing drummer. I mean, this guy was an animal, but the guy that was, um, giving the master class was, I would say one of the, probably the best drummer I've ever met in my life. in in, in person, this guy's on another level, just his music and creativity and his artistry in rhythm is just insane. And, um, we're playing this tune he, he cuts us off and he looks at the drummer and he, he's a drummer talking to this drummer and he says, I want you to scream as loud as you can. We're gonna play this section right here. I want you to scream through the whole thing. At the top of your lungs, I want you to scream while you play, okay? And so we start, he counts us off, we get ready to play. And we're playing this part and the drummer just starts screaming and he's like dropping the beat. He's missing shit, right? But he's screaming through the whole thing, just like, I mean, bellowing, okay? Then after that, the guy that's giving the masterclass just looks at him and he's smiling. And he goes, I'm not going to say a word. Let's try this again. And he counts us off. I have chills thinking about this. The energy that was there immediately after was like, you could feel like we were just fucking animals. Cause we're in like the shout section of this big band tune. Like anyway, that's not familiar. Like the shout section of a big band formulaic, tune is like, it's been building up to this moment and then it gets really loud. The trumpet, lead trumpets screaming, the drums are loud. Everything's like complimenting that. Um, if you want an example of what song I'm taught what kind of song I'm talking about, there's a song by the count Basie orchestra called blues and Haas flat. It's probably top five favorite songs of all time for me. And, uh, the shout section just gets to this really cool part. And it's just super noisy. And, we couldn't get there until the drummer had like recognized that they were carrying around all this tension and vicariously, they were giving all of that tension to us. Right. And so that was a really interesting lesson that had very little uh, to do with music. (laughs) Yeah. It had very little to do with music for me, mostly because the, uh, guy that was teaching this lesson didn't have to say anything about what we just all experienced. Because we you just all felt it. You knew, it was a metaphysical you're lesson. Like
1: you knew that it worked and you yeah, saw the result. For yeah. And that's interesting. Cause that sounds like he basically banished his tension. That's exactly what he did. Um, that's exactly that what he did. a of
0: banishment. 100%. Now then, um, okay. So that hissing, that hissing method that I just demonstrated with like the hands and things like that. I want to try that. Um, it, try I do that, that before I meditate every, every single time. And then when I start doing my breath work, like if I start to feel my throat chakra, like tensing up again, uh, I will invite myself to go do that again. And, uh, the reason I even bring that up is just like for me with breath work, one of the things that's really important is, uh, flow and also manipulation of the flow. So that box breathing that we were just talking about, I will do that because I think one of the best things you can do is stop your breathing and deliberately and know that you are. So like, if you're doing the box breathing and you do it for like five minutes it gets hard. It's it, there's labor to it. Well, it's just it, your head starts to play games. You start to think that it's going to kill you because you're, you're deliberately cutting off the valve that keeps you going the oxygen valve. And yeah, so your you brain starts it, right. sending messages going, Hey dude, something's up. What are we doing? And you have to like actively work to it's like, it's like exercise, you know, yeah. when your brain's going like, Hey, uh, you've been running for a minute. Are, are you okay? Dog? Cause we're really kicked into overdrive, you know? Yeah. Same, same idea. And I feel
1: like that's like, the point where your brain is like, are we going to, are you going to stop? or Are you going to continue? And if you choose to continue, that's when it starts to release the endorphins because it realizes, Oh, we're going to keep going. Well, so no. we need some endorphins
0: Um, to Sorry, continue the mean, experience. No you're, you off. I, no, you're good. I, I'm just really wanting to sustain what you're saying. Cause I think in Buddhism, they call it the monkey brain, like the monkey brain is yeah. always talking, always talking, yep. trip, 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 trip in the back of your brain. Right. And then w- your spirit chooses to look at the monkey brain and just laugh with it. And w- one of the most like profound psychedelic realizations I had that really allowed me to like get back into exercising and riding my bike and uh, all, all sorts of like labored activities was uh, I was on acid one time and I was like, I'm going to die. And then I just remember looking around the room and being like, I can't die because I am already dead. <laughs> and just like realizing like that I was so dead. Was awesome because it made everything in this life just so finite and simple. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I assume that I'm like, I've already died. If I assume I've already died, I'm just like right here. Yeah, it takes uh, away
1: because like one of my things lately is I'm. Yeah, you know, I spent in my early 20s, I had, you know, st- severe mental illness stuff and it put sort of a delay on my life and my achievements. So for a long time, I've been like in this modality where I'm like, I have to catch up, I have to catch up, I have to catch up, I have to make it up for lost time. And when you get into that mindset of I'm already dead, like you don't feel that rush to like always you're always behind and always behind the curve like there is no curve. Like <laughs> I
0: was okay. So I saw a monk one time. There's a lot of monks out to Jerome. I don't know if you know about this. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a sanctuary. My dad spent some time that's there awesome. naturally. Um, yeah. Anyway, I saw one of those monks in twin falls one time crossing the street by himself. Uh, this is. Oh, he was crossing at a birthday party. Uh, he, that's so, that makes me very happy. <laughs> uh, this monk was crossing the street. Okay. And there was these two birds that had perched on, on the light and they flew over to the light and perched as he was crossing the street. And this monk stops in the middle of the intersection walking and just starts looking at them and is smiling. And I remember thinking, what the fuck? Like you're in the middle of the street, dude. And the older I get, the more I realize like how much that monk got it Mm -hmm. because I was walking home from work today and it was like raining out. And I was like, just looking at these cars all stopped at an intersection. And I had to like literally just stop and like, sit there because i was like this is pretty cool yeah <laughs> it's i like cool couldn't go get... anywhere i was just like so happy to be right here i was like i can't leave i need to be right here and mm-hmm. i need to like stop and like like well, when they say stop and smell the roses like that literally means like yes like stop and do that thing you know like stop yeah. and do that there's value in it yeah stop and listen to the guy playing the guitar on the street yeah. the like, body needs it the, the uh, mind needs the it. the soul needs it too yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got so it you worth... can't
1: you can't be on a personality 100 percent of the time you can't do it uh, no and th- the paradox is the more you give yourself the break to do the nothing the better when you are in type a mode that you operate 10 times more efficiently
0: we were talking about jam bands before we went live and like one of the if you're ever like at a jam session this is just advice I'm not I don't give advice this is something I'm just saying to myself if this is valuable to you that's awesome but like when I go to a jam session my goal is to recognize that the real art is the silence and I am taking away from that every time I contribute so sometimes the best thing I can do is nothing And, like, if I'm at a jam session and it's, like, just badass, like, there's a riff going on and it's super cool and I'm not a part of it, I'm not going to get in the middle of it. I'm just going to be with it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't. And in that, I think we all inherently have an insecurity of, like, needing to contribute and concern. I I think it's a biological trigger. Because, like, have you ever, there's been a conversation going on and you feel like you need to add something to it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I am, like, the textbook definition of that. And I find that I give the most energy to a group when I just stop and I just observe.
1: Yeah. Um, So there's also a magical principle behind silence. Um, I don't know. I don't remember all of the ins and outs, but one of them is... And I think they even talk about it in the, that book, uh, how to win friends and influence people is yes. basically let people run their course and talk out whatever they're talking about. And then once you finally have a chance to speak, they're much more receptive to whatever you say. Um, but also like, I guess in a, in an occult aspect is like when you let someone talk and at you and you let them run their course at you, you not only just like learn more, but um, you're literally like they're expelling energy, you're absorbing it by being silent. You're so like you're you're essentially taking that energy Dude. and being charged up by it. So it's honestly, it's there's a lot more value in silence in conversations than there is in even talking. Um, and uh, like Teddy Roosevelt said. Speak softly, but carry a big stick. stick, Yep. Um, I feel like that can apply in some way to that. Like by being silent, you have
0: control in a way of the conversation. Dude. So the best boss that I've ever had, uh, I really look up to this guy still. I worked for Walmart and he was store manager and, uh, he had been a state trooper and he quit because he realized how flawed it was. He literally told me this. He was like, I didn't get paid enough and i saw all the corruption and i was like fuck the police and i quit and this is a like ultra this is like i don't want to see an alt-right guy but he's a very conservative yeah uh steak and potatoes cowboy boots kind of guy like okay, ne- he was neo- my libertarian boss yeah and, yes very yeah. much and he's a big guy probably my size probably got 40 50 pounds on me i mean he was built to be a cop in the i mean physical yeah, like physical yes, dominance yeah obviously yeah. like football player and stuff like that anyway a uh, real docile guy, but he could scare the shit out of you with the silence. And anyway, one time him and I got into See, it. that's the power. One yeah. time him and I got into it. Um, it was the only time. And it was over. I can't even remember over what, but I remember how I felt. And I went into the office and I'd closed the door behind me. And I just started laying into him. like, And I was ready for him to like chew my ass out. And I just went and went and went and went and went. And I stopped. And he just sat there and didn't say anything. And he looked at me and he said, I know there's more and you need to get all of it out before we finish this. And so I was like, you're right. And I told him more, like it was crazy how he knew yeah. dude. And here's the wild part is he let me get through all that shit. And then he said his piece and I realized I was wrong. And it was, well, it's devastating. Insane. Because
1: he had all the control and not well, only dude, that- the
0: way that he maneuvered, that conversation was professional. Like, because I was like, I made a huge mistake. He's like, you did. He's like, but this is like a really important piece to your development. That's what he said to me. He That's was like, great. this is a, this is an opportunity for growth. Yeah. To work Cause with he was like, like that. The, dude, Oh, he, he was single-handedly the reason that I was like living as well as I was right then. Cause he believed in me. And he even said that when I left, he was like, you're going to go do great things because you uh, love to stick your hand in hornet's nests. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. And it was just, like, really interesting that he said it that way because right after that, I, like, walked into a bear trap, walked into another bear trap, you know? Well,
1: (laughs) And when you're silent and you let people scream at you like that and then you respond in, like, a non-polarized or, you know, a non-charged, you respond, not react. You have power over them and sometimes they, by allowing themselves to just unload the entire magazine on you and then, you know, you try to be you know you respond and with rationality and with your points after they've gotten they've let loose their steam and especially if they're wrong they're like oh fuck, like
0: well <laughs> they know the, like one of the things that he challenged me with on that was like he was like all of this was here and it took like a, a, a event for you to address all of this and he said why couldn't you just address these things like when they yeah. were presented instead of, like, using them as bartering chips to negotiate your anger. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, I, do, I don't know. Yeah. And that was, like, a really interesting exploration of, like, anger Something for me. Something you needed to learn. Yeah, well, like, even yesterday. Like, yesterday was, like, the most grumpy I've gotten uh, in a while. And it happened for a split second. I just got, like, really grumpy. And I realized it was because I was tired. And I was like... <laughs> Oh man. And then like, and then I was like making fun of myself for it after I was like, dude, I, why was I so grumpy? And it, but like, that's part of the invitation, right. Of like, like self forgiveness is like not forgetting. It's about yeah. like, and it's not even condoning like horrible actions or whatever, but it's, so I used to know this person that used to say, I always forgive, but I never forget. <laughs> Yeah. And I used to think that that was like so self-serving, but now I think about it like, as in like, I always forgive and I never forget, like, this yeah. is special that we get to experience this together. No, I don't think that was the sentiment yeah. that this person had when they told me that, but I think about that a lot.
1: Yeah. No. And you, I mean, that's with forgiveness. And I think that's why it's hard for people to forgive is like forgiveness does not equate condoning the action. No. Um. So you can learn to, you know, like if you've had like childhood trauma and like your parent was always mad or upset or, you know, maybe even like an alcoholic or something, but maybe they were, when you're older, you might be able to be like, Oh, they were doing the best they could. You know, they didn't know how any of this worked. They had no resources. So you can forgive and understand the situation that they were in. But at the same time there, you know, it still had an effect. Like it still had a negative effect in your life. And that should be reconciled.
0: But I, you, yeah. I defined forgiveness. One time I wrote it down and I just put forgiveness an action-based celebration recognizing that I am still alive and my needs are being met. Yeah. And I, Hmm, I thought about an interesting one. I thought about people that Hmm. I like quote unquote hadn't forgiven yet. And then I realized that it was like, there's not an arrival to forgiveness. Right. And that comes back to the, that mantra of meeting people where they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing this with an individual right now. It's like, I'm, I'm really quote unquote, trying to forgive you, but I don't know how. And, uh, there's like that old do up song. I don't like you, but I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I think about that a lot because I think it's okay to appreciate someone for who they are and also not need them to be an active part of your life. Yeah. Much easier said than done way much way easier Well, well and it's like
1: in those relationships like if something ends and then it goes back to the i can't i can't base my happiness on someone outside of myself so it's like you know you can love the time that you had and like let the relationship go and it's hard i mean much easier said than done for sure a thousand times but i i think it ties into that
0: yeah yeah um going back to the box breathing thing one of the uh, this is this is an advanced technique in my opinion um, I know some occultists introduced this practice this technique like really early on Damien Eccles recommends doing this before you even do the middle pillar which I think is nuts because I think the middle pillar is much easier than this um, I also put a pin in the middle pillar because i want to talk about i do really deliberate breath work in my middle pillar yeah we'll we'll talk about that that. yeah um that boxed breathing drill um you want to try something with me really quick um so there's a boxed breathing drill where you breathe are you yeah breathe in for four hold for four breathe out for four hold for four when you breathe in you think of the season of winter Okay. And when you hold for four, you think about the season of spring. When you breathe out for four, you think of the season of summer. And when you hold for four, you think about the season of autumn. So when you're holding is the shifts into cultivation seasons. Right. Yeah. Here. Um, tempo like right here. So in for four. Yeah, just count me in. In for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. I'm thinking winter, spring, summer, fall. Ready? One, two, three, four. Yeah. So even just
1: doing Ugh, that, that's so good. Yeah. Even, even just like 30 seconds so, of it,
0: I, I immediately relaxed. Now, I had that demonstrated <clears throat> to me one time as a time dilation exercise. Hmm. So if you're with somebody who's like, yeah, like, or you're trying to explain the concept of time as a real to like somebody that's really anchored into earth. Um, and I just want to preface that by saying we need those people and you're not invalid at all. And the Buddha even talked about these people. He said, there's the people of the earth and the people of the air. So the people of the air are trying to return to where they came from and they can't participate in the earth enough. And the people of the earth love it here and don't want to go back to where they came from. Right? And it's like you, so, um, when I'm speaking to somebody that's like very earth driven derivative, uh, about the breaking of time and they like, just don't even want to like contemplate that that exercise is a really quick way to get into the idea of time dilation. Cause when mm. you think about the seasons, when you think about all the seasons that are occurring in the cycle, yeah. you realize that the cycle is arbitrary. Yeah. Like,
1: well, and it's, what's weird too is, and I've never done that with thinking about the actual seasons, but I feel like I gained some understanding about the seasons that I I can't explain
0: in words. Have you thought about how, but
1: it was that that, even just that few seconds was like a little psychedelic.
0: Yeah. The Gregorian. Okay. So the Gregorian calendar, if you look at it (sighs) as in like winter being the start of the year, Mm -hmm. winter is the infantile state. And if you even look at this from an agricultural perspective, it gets trippy because like winter is the state where you're like gestating and you're like, Coming to and spring is where the flowers begin to bloom, and summer is where you've blossomed. Mm-hmm. So summer is your prime, right? That's the Mm-mm. reason, like Hot Girl Summer, or like that's yeah. like my vibe, or like the Summer of Love. Like there's so many connotations with the concept yeah. of summer, and like everyone's together and it's hot out yeah. and everybody. And it's doing like
1: this. the manifestation is here, and, and then, we're enjoying it. And
0: fall is death. Yeah. So you, if you look like at like, the concept fall, of yeah, if like you look at the man. concept of Halloween, <clears throat> it's like you have like this celebration of death yeah, and then you slowly decompose and then, and then there's the renewal and then yeah and so it, i think about forms. that when i'm doing that box drill with the seasons I'm and to do and that you part. like think about it as a cycle oh. and it's like the again the buddhist said like what a privilege it is to die mm-hmm. uh, and i think about that there's actually a poem that i want to read i've got i took a screenshot of it it's from a buddhist monk in japan in the 13th or in the 14th century Yeah. Died on the 12th day of the second month, 1360, at the age of 77. Kozen Ichikyo. Okay. He said, empty-handed, I entered the world barefoot. I leave it. My coming, my going, two simple happenings that got entangled. Mm. Yeah. Well, like the Buddhists believe that when you die, when you die on this physical plane, you go to the state and it's like a crystal ball, you know how mm-hmm. like when you look at a crystal ball like you see all of the little mirrors hmm but then like I'm talking the one like the disco ball. Yeah. Yeah, and then like Once light hits it the light refracts into every direction mm-hmm. Okay, so the Buddhist believes that like when you die you see reality as that like every experience you've ever had you're experiencing Simultaneously, Yeah. and then it spits out and then you literally see your parents having sex <laughs> And then you start again
1: it's like the uh, it's,
0: that's a weird concept for me, but like it's That reminds me. It just made me think. I, I don't really have a point that, with this. I, if I can get one word okay, okay, uh, just ahead, on that. Um, the first time that I understood, because that's like deep Buddhist doctrine, quote yeah. unquote. Um, once I, f- the first time I heard that, all I could think was like, this satisfies like this Etiapishian principle. This everything that Freud said like about the like maternal like tether like it, mm-hmm. dude. When I first heard that, I was like, oh. Holy shit. Like mm. the, we're trying to return to source code. Like the story of Oedipus has more to do with like yeah. trying to return to source code than it does anything about damnation. Right. Any Anyway, pardon No, me. I, I was just, uh, it in. just
1: reminded me if you've ever played Assassin's Creed, like, so you go in the animus and you can like basically live any of your ancestors lives because it's stored in your DNA. The memories are. Like feasibly in the animus, you could become your parents who have sex, who then like conceive you. How fucking weird would what that if that's, be? What if that's what
0: creates the paradox? Right? right. What if that's what creates the paradox, right? Like, <laughs> like. oh man, I think about that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing too is like, uh, I was also listening to this teachings of the Buddha that one time one of his students started asking too many metaphysical questions. And he basically said like, you're trying to create God from the things that are God, but it's like, you're like looking at, you're missing the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. So, so if you try to observe one component of what God is, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you stop and like observe it all as one thing simultaneously yeah. occurring, then you see that God is everything. Right. Yeah. And uh, I was actually having this thought about how like one of the worst things that you can do like calling upon your ancestors and waking them up are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about this recently cause like my quote unquote spiritual guides, like I think they have a really gross sense of humor and then I really do. Well, and like one of the things I've been thinking about lately is like my, my guides took on a different persona after the passing of my father mm. and they have his sense of humor now. Yeah. Or maybe that's how I observe it. Yeah. What if it's both or yeah. none of them? Um, Okay, so I was thinking about this and I was like realizing like I was having this like really like spiritual answer being given to me in like a really cynical way the other day. (laughs) And then I realized that it was a joke and I was like laughing at it. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with that exactly, but I just that was something that really rang true to me as far as like, well, it also rang into the idea of like free will because I don't think we inherently exclusively have free will.
1: And if we do, it's it's not in, like, the physical moving uh, of matter. It's I think it's
0: a combination.
1: Whatever it is, it would sit in consciousness and, like, the cause and effect principle. But it's not, like, I'm going to stand up and then I choose to go get a snack, like... There's a, a lot of micro events that led to that decision.
0: So that actually like when I when I started to accept that free will isn't inherently a thing exclusively, right. it really helped me with my depression. Right. Like that was a big piece of me, like liberating in my depressive episodes. Cause um, I often, I think I've said it on the pod before, but one of the things like people in my close circle know, I'm not doing well. If I start to measure time in episodes of like King of the Hill or Simpsons. So somebody's like, do you want to go do something to eat? And I like look at the time and I'm like, Oh, that's like going to take like four episodes of King of the Hill. I'm good. Cause I would just rather sit at home and just watch TV. Cause I'm trying to avoid something. yeah, Yeah. I'm trying to avoid something. And, uh, Oh, um, the idea with like how that really helped me with my depression was, um, just being able to recognize if I don't follow through with something that I did, that it brought me to where I am right here Yeah, and that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still alive. wow oh. And again, it comes back to like the, I'm still alive. All of my needs yep. are being met. Well,
1: And it's not necessarily that you would be like, I would, I wish I could relive that. It's more like you appreciate the experience, but you're like, I'm glad it's over. Um, yes. Like, cause it did lead me to now. And now I know, you know, I have much greater, more understanding than I ever have in my life. So like, I can appreciate all of those hardships that brought me there, but like, I don't want to do
0: that again. Well, and we're habit driven creatures. So yeah. it's like, if you want what, if you have one good habit, if you have one good habit and you lean into that and that's like your part of your personality, it will affect all of the other things in your life. Oh it's yeah. It's been scientifically proven, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, in my own life, I've experienced that yeah. so Also deeply. read the miracle habit by mitch horowitz yo totally totally Uh, i mean it's like it's like a really like jet fueled version of the seven habits of highly effective people Mm -hmm. which i used to love that book and i still do Mm -hmm. i just think it's really like uh nearsighted sure very nearsighted um middle pillar ritual one of the things that i've realized recently is um like using your magical voice um I, my magical voice, like when I'm like doing LBRPs, less, less banishing rituals of the pentagram or middle pillar rituals, or if I'm even doing any kind of mantras. So like uh, another mantra that I do is that one, it's the Buddhist nam renge kyo And I try to get to the most guttural part of my voice mm-hmm. and I try to make it resonate through my whole body. So I think like I think of my spirit as like a giant, like mucousy thing, and I'm trying to loosen the whole thing up. And I know that sounds gross, but like. No, I
1: see what you're saying, because it's like crystallized, and by vibrating, yeah. you loosen up. So I used yeah. to like
0: look in a mirror and just practice. I would go like. And I would yeah. like get myself to that place where it was like a vocal fry in the lowest part of my register and just be like, yeah,
1: yeah, as low as you can go while being able to project, yeah.
0: So then I would literally get my namyo renge kyo to like a place where I wanted it to sh- rattle in my chest, yeah. So I would like, uh, and I'd find like where that resonant point was, and then once it was there, I would literally sing these chants, or chant these chants, rather, in this voice of like, and so it's like loosening everything Mm -hmm. up inside of me. And if I'm like sitting somewhere, or if I'm using like tuning forks or anything like that, I can really start to like feel things inside of Mm -hmm. me, you know? And that comes back I just wanted to make sure that I drove the point home on this with like breath work and things like this is like, especially if you're exploring the middle pillar ritual, like I can't express enough, like in between, So when I do the middle pillar from each piece portion of the uh, solar body that I move through, I do a box breathing exercise, uh, four times. And I think about the seasons. So like if I start on the solar plexus, like the first portion of the middle pillar, I do those. I do all four of those, and then I do four boxed breathing drills, and then I move on to the next portion. Then I do four box breathing drills, and it just it really intensifies Takes it my middle little. pillar. But because I really view my middle pillar as a mantra meditation or chant, even, and that's like just yeah. so valuable for me. And that's really
1: that's how I view uh, lesser, even lesser banishing ritual, yes. of the pentagram. I'm like, what if all like what if the basically the, de- the decoration of the ritual is sort of a placeholder, but really the effect comes from the fact that it's basically a mantra meditation.
0: Yes. Well, and that's where I think that they and all like a Zen path. They're all connected. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, I mean, when you get into like really complicated Vedic mantras, like there's this one, I can't even sing the, I can't even sing the, uh, uh, um, Hindi to it. Cause I don't know the language well enough, but the, the, uh, mantra was like literally, and I'm like doing it with like 40 people and it was like super intense and like even doing it that one time it it was super psychedelic like my body I literally felt like I was flipped 180 degrees sitting outside of my body Mm -hmm. and I could feel everyone else's spirits like we were in like a giant soup and we were touching each other spiritually like it's so hard for me to explain like you just have to go do it but um. I feel that same way when you do lesser banishing ritual of pentagram. Um,
1: and I think it ties into, so there's like concepts of sound healing and like how originally the cathedrals were built with like excellent amplifying acoustics. So when you sing together or you chant or you have like the guttural Buddhist, like tones, like where everyone's just all mm-hmm. and it just, it's nonstop. It's because the, the vibration itself is healing yes. to biological matter. Yes. And I think that
0: plays into it. That's the one thing that still draws me to organized spiritual gatherings, like like spiritual retreats, meditation retreats, chanting retreats. That's what draws me to them still is because there's something that happens when you join together, like-minded to like sing praises to God or sing praises to yourself. Same thing. Or (laughs) like, uh, uh, even just get together to chant or even just to get together to communicate. But if you all channel it to one focal point, like it's why, like, I mean, in Mormonism, like you'll, one of the quickest ways to like see a congregation cry is if like a powerful musical number is done by the choir. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence. I think it has very little to do with Mormonism. I, I, I do. I, I think it has more to do with all singing simultaneously trying to like elicit this spiritual experience. And, uh, that also ties into like this idea of like, if you ever go to like a Catholic mass, um, there's a recreation of the last supper and the priest like holds like the wafer above their head and they sing on this monotone. Have you experienced this before? No, I've never I, been to Catholic. Mass. I grew up with this. I'd like to go to one. I at would some be part. very down to go. Yeah. It's, it's a very, like very interesting experience, but uh, the the priest holds the wafer above their head and they say like, on the night he was betrayed, ba 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 and then the whole entire church goes, amen. And then he goes, Boom, 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 and, the, and then the church goes, Amen, oh, man!" and they sing back and forth like hundreds of people sing. Oh, dude, it gives me chills. Like it's, it's like a, it's a call and word. response. It Heart-core is. It's a repetitive. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it. I mean, it's the same affectation, yeah. right? And then after that, they they sing the Lord's Prayer, and they all sing it simultaneously, acapella. Dude, it's insane because they sing it at the end, and they're, yeah. they're all holding hands. You lift your hands above your head, so everyone in the congregation is lifting their hands above their head it all handheld and they, they all sing simultaneously for the kingdom and glory and power is yours now and forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. And it's like this super cerebral. And then after that you go and receive the communion of the blood and right. body It's what completes the transmutation of the mm-hmm. blood and body of Christ. Cause the Catholics literally believe that they are eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood yeah. when they, they think they believe it's transmuted. Yeah. And that's what's well. And that's how you complete your ceremony. Yeah. It's by um, these chants and these like yeah. ceremonies and well, it's dude, it's insane experience.
1: The, the theory behind praying over your food or like transmuting it is you're literally like programming it with like intention or healing or whatever. And, uh, and, fake or in fake magic in real magic by Dean Radin, <laughs> PhD. So that's how you know, it's legit. Um, they've done like double blind studies where they're eating blessed chocolate and they're taking a uh, note of people's mood before and after. And it, the blessed chocolate was, you know, they're, they had everybody, they had priests and monks and just anyone they can get to pray over this chocolate. And, I mean the efficacy for the improvement of the mood for the people who got the blessed chocolate it's like greater than even FDA like standards for uh effective drugs that they allow pharmaceutical companies to manufacture and sell.
0: Well, and something that um So there's there's proof there. There there's empirical proof that there's something happening. Carl Sagan said something interesting one time and, and, and I I like Carl Sagan a lot. I have mixed opinions on like his philosophy, but um, mm-hmm. as the scientist, as the icon scientist, pop icon, I like him a lot. He was one time Richard Dawkins challenged him because when he had terminal cancer, this lady like walked up to him and held Carl Sagan's hands and said, I'm praying for you and Carl Sagan like started crying and just thanking this lady and she walked away and Richard Dawkins was like, You believe that? and which is like such an interesting, like Mm -hmm. thing. Um, and Carl Sagan said like that woman is providing me all of the capacity of what she can comprehend that I'm going through. Like she's saying to me, like I'm experiencing as much empathy as I can give to you from my like mortal coil. And I think that that comes back to this idea. I think he was like right on the nose with it is like when you deliberately like pray for something or someone like I, does it change the outcome of it? Maybe. Maybe. But like your intention behind it allows, it in, invites you to participate in it wholly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I, I'm really on I a mean, Catholic I, kick right now, but it's like, yeah. not my will be done, but thy will be done. Catholics will say this to you all the time. Like when something doesn't work out, not my will, mm-hmm. thy will, and, or thine will. To. Yeah. And uh, I think that there is merit to that. I do think there's merit to that. I think it's a good way to like I I do think it's a really bastardized way of saying no expectations.
1: <laughs> right. Um and what I I have a critique of um sort of modern atheism is they make fun of, you know, when Christians or people of faith are like, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers and they're like, Oh, that's so cringy. My thoughts and prayers aren't gonna vaccinate me and I'm like dude come on like at a, at a minimum um like even if there's nothing even if the prayer does nothing that person is basically employing an act of empathy and sympathy for the other person so there's solidarity um you know it's like being upset like if you're an atheist and someone says bless you or god bless you and you're like i don't believe that you're you're basically that's like you know if you're starving and you go into a guest ha- into a house as a guest and they offer you food and you're like oh, I don't eat that.
0: Like, There's ways to be polite. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and like, the other thing is too, is like, it's not even the rude atheists that get me. It's the ones that like pat themselves on the back. I'm like, damn. But like, the whole thing with atheism is like, um, I think they are much more strong-willed people than I am. I just like, I'm too neurodivergent to be atheist. I <sighs> like I, Like, atheism is like, too difficult for me mm-hmm.
1: you've had too many thought experiments i have it's like and i it never stop. i would
0: love <laughs> i would love if i could just like accept that like there was nothing mm-hmm. and i was just like and make things a lot simpler dude i like i've literally thought that before i'm like dude can i just like be an atheist and not yeah. like have to overthink this? or shit? Like, but like i there's wish like, no other way in a
1: way i wish mormonism was were true because oh they know all the Everything I need to do, right. I just, it's I just follow the plug and play, you know,
0: plug and play. I don't yes. have, I don't have to think. Yep. You, it I comes, just, it comes out of the package yeah. already assembled. Like and, I literally, and it's already charged. Yeah. I can just start playing. That's what I think about when I think of Mormonism. Yeah. But the thing is, this is not as quite as it's more linear, not open world. Yep. That's the mm-hmm. dangers of Mormonism is like, if reality is like an open video game, which I think to some degrees it is. I mean, um, yeah, uh, they, they call it samsara in Buddhism. I mean, mm-hmm. that's basically what they're saying in Buddhism is that the world, as you know, it, is, is a virtual. gigantic video game yeah, and that's samsara and like Holocaust. the parameters to how you participate in it are, uh, your karma and the good things that occur in it are your dharma. Like mm-hmm. those are receipts or gifts that you're being received because you're putting out goodness. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, I like that. So like, if if you're accepting that, like, like these religions, like Mormonism, what's happening is you're, you're getting like a video game but you're not getting all of them you're like getting one piece of what you but you could have a bountiful a plenty open world stuff but you're getting railroaded into like one platforming level on Super Mario 3 it's like
1: getting stuck in a mini game yep within a bigger game which it's
0: like fun in it's own right but like it's damning it's damning and it's I, I and, you know there could be like merits
1: I, I think there's merits for like people i guess incarnating into any kind of situation in order for like the soul or the whole to gain experience and knowledge um so like i i think mormonism in a way a, a lot of souls wanted to play that game to see how it was like for a while but i mean it's obviously on the decline now Dude. and i i think the collection the collective unconscious is like all right we've Played this out. Like, what's the next thing we got to do?
0: So... Uh, At the, least
1: over here and
0: The Dalai Lama was asked Western one time, like, US. what the best way to raise your children was to encourage their awakening. Like, that. that's basically what the question was. And the Dalai Lama said to the people, if you want your children to wake up, allow them to change you. Hmm. Let your children change you. And I thought that that was so profound and i think about that when i'm like thinking about this perspective of like what is the point of religions or like what's the meaning of life or like uh, like all this like spiritual stuff is like i just want to be here and i want to evolve and like a children is like a ba- is like a rapid onset like psychedelic experiment and like changing your whole world yeah. permanently mm-hmm. you know i can't even imagine I yeah. can. I got two cats, and that's like a lot, you know. Yeah, it's like a, adding another human, like a sentient creature with mm-hmm. like cognition. Like that's intense. But anyway, I digress. I, it's just intense. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I went through all of this as we're wrapping up. Um, uh, I I, I suppose I I was a little um. We definitely like scattered through that. I think in a healthy way, it was organic. But uh, the reason I even say that is because if anybody wants to uh, discuss that in detail, or if you have any questions or you want to explore breath work, I really think that this is beneficial for all of us. Like this isn't really even like a spiritual thing. It can be. I don't think it exclusively is. Yeah. And I think
1: even on just a material level, there's obvious benefits and, and proven
0: benefits. And please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or if you're trying something, that's not working or you're trying something and it is working. Or even if you just have feedback, like we would love that. Like, um, yeah. Like send it. Are we wrapping
1: up? I think, I think okay. we're arrived. Yeah. So like uh, if, if you do want to start this course, um, we'll have our socials and uh, I'll say them in a second, but we, we, you can also email us. Um, it's uh, The email address is fake magicpod at gmail.com, and that's magic with a K after the C. Um, and then the socials are so it's Instagram also at fake magicpod um, with the K after the C, Twitter just at fake magic. Um, so okay i guess that's that um so if you find this useful and um you find yourself in a place where you can give a little bit um we have a link for donation um it's at uh linktree slash fake magic so that's uh, l i n k t r dot e forward slash fake magic and that's a c-k at the end And then I guess, uh, we can also announce that we're starting, uh, Patreon. Um, the link, it's, it's just patreon.com forward slash fake magic with the CK at the end. Um, so we're sort of playing with some tiers right now. I, I don't know if it'll be the final tier, but, uh, so like we have like the $1 tier, which, you know, if you just, if you like listening and you feel like you can give a tiny bit, um, and then there's a $3 tier. Um, and that one has like Discord benefits. We're going to... St- I already have a—I have a Discord set up. Um, and then anyone who listens to this can get onto that Discord. And talk amongst yourselves. And we'll be on there as well. Um, there's a $5 tier. Um, where after... It has a... I guess a time delay reward. So if you're like... If you're a Patreon for two months at $5, we'll send you a pin. We're still mulling over some design ideas, but we're, we we want to do a pin. Um, custom fake magic pin, $10 tier. After two months, there will be like a... What I'm thinking of, and tell us if this is a shitty idea, but like <laughs> an official uh, fake magic like... Fake magic like an official fake magician card. So like you're a certified fake magician. Um, sort of like a membership card. And then we do have a. There's also a twenty dollar. And also like the the rewards are like recurring. So if you do like the ten dollars, you can also you can get the pin and the card. Um, the twenty dollars, you'll get everything previous. Plus what we want to do is a like monthly video Q and a or video hangout. Like we'll do a private channel on discord and anyone at that level can join in and we can, you know, do a live either question and answer or just hang out discussion. Um, you know, maybe we can bring some people on to do like a video chat, um, And then we, there are also other ideas with the Patreon. Um, like, so there's this sort of a video, I guess, course that I'm writing. Um, it's called, it's going to be called, uh, jailbreaking capitalism with chaos magic. And I have a few episodes written. I haven't recorded them yet. Um, and then Matt's also working on the magical tarot. Um, I'm very close. That's awesome. I'm very close. That's a lot of songs.
0: Yeah. But you, you're you really good at that, though. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. I've been, like, mulling it you're over. You're like an animal. I realize. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. I digress. That'll be for another day. No, you're sorry. good.
1: So, like, uh, what the money is mainly going towards is, like, I guess, equipment to get that stuff out of here. Like, before we would ever, like, consider taking money from it, like for personal use it's going directly into more equipment like with I bought that new interface like now we do we need some microphones um we might need to get an acoustic guitar i thought you had one <laughs> I have a guitar is, that is very me i have an electric guitar yeah but i don't know if that would i mean it could fit the vibe yeah depending on the song um but like honestly it's going and then w- also you know if we can get just a little bit of like a decent change coming our way it'll help us be able to free up some time to write you know more in-depth episodes get some more sources go you know do some really deep dives onto stuff you know especially if we need to buy some books and uh, you know make notes in them and all that so and yeah if you feel like contributing go ahead um But, like, no pressure, because, like, we're just doing this mostly for us and for anyone who it might benefit. Um, So, yeah. Hope y'all have a good, hope y'all have a hot girl spring coming up. It's coming. It's definitely, (laughs) it's
0: definitely almost here, so. All right. We'll see ya. Bye now.